What does it mean to be a person of influence? In the first reading, we hear that the prophet Elisha came and went to a woman of influence. What does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, and really up until modern times, until very recently, to be a person of influence usually meant that you had a powerful family, wealth, and or some sort of education. To be a person of influence, you had to know and be known. And then you could exert your influence over others. As time has gone on, however, other people have become people of influence. As we moved into the more modern times and technology became more available, people who were movie stars or actors or actresses or athletes became people of influence because they were known. It shifted in terms of what brought you to that level. And now we live in a world of influencers. A few months ago, I was talking with a a group of Catholic journalists, and it's kind of fun. I majored in journalism, never worked in that field professionally, although I did several internships. So I can talk shop a little bit. And I was asking them, what are the challenges to being a journalist these days? And and one of the women in the group, she said she went to her, her, one of her kids' career days at, at the local Catholic school, second or third grade, early, early kids, you know, not, not quite to middle school yet. And she asked the kids, after she had talked about what it means to be a, ca- a journalist and to write for a Catholic newspaper, if any of them wanted to be a journalist. And some hands shot up, and, oh, what, what, what kind of journalist do you want to be? I want to be a social media influencer, is what the kids said. One of them said, I want to play with my toys and have my dad put those videos on YouTube and make money. (laughs) The ability to be an influencer has changed, and young people especially desire to be influencers. Whereas in the past, you needed to have some sort of clear accomplishment or power, a position of authority within the government, education, wealth, or some sort of discernible skill. Now to be an influencer, you need a phone, an opinion, and a willingness to share that. That's what it means to be a person of influence nowadays, to be an influencer. Now, you're probably thinking at this point, Father Patrick's going to start crushing on this, but I do think that this speaks, this desire to be an influencer, especially among our young people, speaks to something much deeper. It's important for us to remember that even in sin, our sin starts with a holy desire. We desire something good. Now, in sin, we misappropriate the good. We choose something, in fact, that is evil instead of something that is going to lead to more good. But the initial desire is for something good. And the desire to be a person of influence, to be an influencer, starts with this desire to be in relationship with other people, to be known, to be loved, to be cherished. And that's one of the deepest desires that we have. In fact, one of our deepest, if not our most deep desire, is the desire to be desired, to be known, to be cherished, to be loved simply for who we are. And friends, we are all called to be influencers, not because of our greatness, but because in the depths of our heart, we receive the love of God. We receive the graces that flow from the sacraments. We receive the mercy of God. And we receive in our baptism the call to go forth and to teach and to share the good news of Jesus. In our lives, in our vocations, in our work, in every aspect of our life, we are called to radiate the face of Jesus 
But we have to open our hearts in order to do that. We have to be willing to put God and His Word and His desires for us at the forefront. And when we do that, when we join with, as St. Paul reminds us in that second reading from the letter to the Romans, when we join in the death of Christ, we are then and only then truly able to live. And to live as we are meant to live. Overcoming the obstacles healing from the wounds, taking even the worst parts of our life, being transformed in the blood of Christ into an offering that is acceptable and right and just, and then manifesting it in the world. It's amazing what we see in our lives as Christians when we take all these things, when we join in the death of Christ. When we join in that death of Christ, we are remade, we are renewed, we are reborn. In our lives, those things of which we were not proud or of those things of which we had great grief now become sources of inspiration. And they influence other people. There is nothing, I think, in fact, more influential than a healed Christian soul. For a Christian to say, this terrible thing happened or I did this terrible thing. But in the midst of all that, God found me and I welcomed him into my heart and I was transformed and changed. And he desires to do the same for you. That's the influence we are called to exert. But we must first and foremost receive Jesus into our lives. In the first reading, the prophet Elisha is received into the house of this woman. She makes a place for him in her home. And therefore, what does he do? As Jesus says in the gospel, if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. She received a prophet, not for gain, but to simply know the prophetic word. And that's important for us. We receive Jesus, we open our hearts to him because of who he is, not because of what he'll give us. And in receiving him and in inviting his grace into our hearts, then we go forth and manifest. And so we are called, as Jesus challenges, and that's a very challenging gospel. Is your mother or father more important than God? Jesus asks us. You're not worthy of me. Parents, are your children more important than God? Jesus says very clearly, if that's the case, you're not worthy of me. These are hard and difficult words. But what is Jesus getting at? Is if we put him first, then and only then can we truly love in the way that we are meant to and influence in the way in which we are called because we love not with a human love which is limited, but we love with a divine love which is limitless. And this is what God calls us to. And there are two things we must be willing to do. First and foremost, to receive the grace that comes from God. And how do we as Catholics receive grace? There are the primary sources of grace are in the sacraments that we receive, specifically the Eucharist and reconciliation. We are called to the Eucharist every Sunday and to confession on a regular basis. And with the sacraments and the Word of God. Do we welcome, like this woman in the very first reading, do we welcome the Word of God into our life every day in prayer? Do we invite the prophets? Do we invite Jesus through the Scriptures into our hearts, into our lives? When we come to Mass, are we here to receive God in the flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Eucharist? Is that on the forefront of our head and of our heart, to be transformed, to receive the gifts that He offers to us? And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes even as a priest, I have to remind myself what I'm doing at the altar. It's not as in front of me at times as it should be. 
When we come to receive that grace, God transforms us and changes us. The other thing we're challenged to do, though, is it's not just about receiving grace. It's not just about standing there and having God pour himself into me, and then somehow or another it's going to change my life. It's also about receiving other people into our lives. We're made for communion. We're made to be in relationship with each other. Hospitality is an incredibly important thing. Oftentimes, when we come to Mass on Sundays, we tend to sit in the same place. You tend to sit next to the same people. Do you know their first names? Not only that, do you know their stories of faith? That's what hospitality truly is. Hospitality isn't saying welcome. Hospitality is saying, I love you and I want to know your story. I want to be a part of your life. And I want you to be a part of my life. That's what we're called to. And not just with each other in a passing sense, but in particular with the poor and the vulnerable and those in need. How do we receive them into our lives? How do we go out to serve them so that they know the compassion and the love that comes from God? Yes, there are more and more people who desire to be influencers, who desire to influence others. But we who follow Jesus on the path of discipleship are the true influencers because what we bring to the world is what the world truly needs and what truly changes the world. And that's the love of God that pours forth into our hearts from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ.